Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football cards as we get closer and closer to Thanksgiving, if you can believe it. And with that, I want to welcome in our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports. And Victor, I have to ask you, how was your week last week? And I know you're looking forward to the football card this week as well. Certainly looking forward to this week's action. A uh, very nice weekend overall particularly if you were a uh, Playbook Football newsletter subscriber. Another, again, fantastic job. Best Bets went 5-1-1 one, one in last week's newsletter. They're now up to 41-21-1 on the season. Again, an outstanding job there. And also for uh, Mark's uh, big games over the weekend, the four-star uh, college game of the week, Baylor, outright winner over Oklahoma. That was from Mark's Preferred Pick Service on Saturday. And then it looks like it was followed up on Sunday with the five-star NFL Game of the Month on the New Orleans Saints. Plus the points against the Tennessee Titans. They were dogs of two and a half to three points in the game. And it was a wild finish. It required us to get a backdoor touchdown from the Saints with a minute 20 left in the game. They got that with a Trevor Simeon touchdown pass on third and 13, I might add. And not only did it require a backdoor touchdown, but then it required us to root for them to miss the two-point conversion. And they did, because if that game gets tied up 23-23 and it goes into overtime, who knows what happens? We wanted to secure that win in regulation play, and we got that with the missed two-point conversion. The Saints, plus two and a half or plus three, cover as the five-star game of the month. Well done, Mark. Well, thank you very much, Victor. Yes, it was quite a nice weekend, especially for those who joined me for our NFL Play of the Month. And I'm still endeared to Sean Payton. He's one of my favorite coaches, especially out of our database, because when he sets himself up and qualifies himself in certain roles, he's as good as anybody at delivering the goods. And fortunately, he did just that again for us last week. With that, Victor, uh, it's another new week in the world of college football. Week number three of the college football top 25 poll rankings came out this week. And just a quick note here, I didn't see a whole lot of movement in the first seven teams. It looks like they all stayed the same. And as far as the other teams go, the other teams that are, I guess, mentioned are noteworthy, I guess you can mention them. I don't see a lot of movement from them either, but uh, my one comment here is of the teams that are in the top 10 right now, I'm going to throw a long shot out there to maybe focus in on to make the college football playoff, who is not in the top four. And you could say, yes, that could be Cincinnati, or yes, that could be Michigan, maybe Michigan State, maybe Notre Dame. I don't think Wake Forest at all, but I think it person has to take a deep, long look at Oklahoma State. Yep, that's the one. Yep, it's a football team that doesn't get any love at all from anybody, despite all of their accomplishments thus far this football season. Now, obviously, what they're going to have to do is take Oklahoma down in the Big 12 title game, but if they do just that, uh, they will put themselves in a position to possibly be a one-loss team to make everything, just depending upon what happens up on top above them. With the other one-loss teams like Alabama, who has to beat Georgia in the title game, or they will not be in the conference or the conference or the college football playoff with two losses. Oregon, who if they don't beat Utah this week or win their Pac-12 championship, they're gone. They're dead. Ohio State, if they lose in their Big Ten championship game, they're dead. So there's a lot of possibilities that that, that that are looming out there right now. And if I'm a person that's maybe maybe taking a longer shot on a team to make the college football playoff where you're going to get a nice little payback, Oklahoma State would be the guy that I would take a long, hard look at because uh, they're playing some really good football and they're doing it 
where it counts on the defensive side of the football. It's usually not a, a forte, if you will, of Mike Gundy, but it is this year. This team is playing as good or better than anybody in the Big 12 Conference when it comes to overall total team defense. That's my take or observation, Victor, on what I saw out of the college football ranking this week. What was your thought, your initial thought, before you move on to another college football subject? Well, I, I would agree with you on Oklahoma State. And in fact, uh, in this year, you talked about their defensive improvement. This is what's really impressing the uh, folks on the committee. Is, is this defensive improvement? It's not just a one-year thing either. This is the fifth consecutive year in a row that Oklahoma State has improved on defense. This was a team that uh, at one point was a, what, 450-yard defensive team as recently as three years ago. Improvement to 379 yards per game last year. And then, of course, down to 266 this year. They're ranked in the top three in scoring defense as well. And they're finally starting to score some points in their next uh, last few games as well. So I would definitely agree with you that uh, if you're looking for some sort of a long shot, it's definitely Oklahoma State. I concur with that. And also another subject matter that I think we want to hit on before we go over to the NFL side of things is the vacancies and coaching changes that are occurring right now Mm -hmm. in college football. We've been had quite a few coaches that have been sitting on the hot seat most of the season here, but we're starting to see some vacancies and, uh, you know, we down here in South Florida, we've got one we think may be happening here. But if you can, let our listeners know what you feel about the college football current hot seat position and the vacancies that have occurred. Well, you know, on Monday, just a couple of days ago, I got this uh, text. And it's one of those texts that you get, you know, where you get really, really excited and you make a fist and you punch <laughs> the air and you yeah. go, yeah. yeah, or, yeah. You, know, the, you know, those kind of texts. And my wife instantly knew what was going on. She said, I bet it means that Manny was fired, right? She's, of course, talking about Manny Diaz. But I said, no, no, honey, but it's close. Blake James, the athletic director, Manny's boss, was the guy who was fired on Monday. That means Manny is definitely going to be next. Chances are uh, that he will be let go after the Duke game. So all of a sudden, down here in South Florida, it's become a hotbed of coaching controversies as well. And man, oh man, the, the, the straw breaker was this loss to Florida State, the blown lead, the blown loss, letting Florida State convert a fourth and 14. They, uh, Miami blew a 20 to 20 fourth quarter lead in the game. Then in addition to Monday's report, uh, another report came out that said that former players are gathering to discuss the state of the program. And then lo and behold, this week's opponent, Virginia Tech, they have coaching issues of their own as uh, Fuente was let go. So all of a sudden, that uh, this turns into a big game this week. Miami taking on Virginia Tech. You know, what's interesting, Victor, about the Manny Diaz situation, because we're down here in South Florida in Miami, is the speculation of what other coaches are, would be in consideration for the Miami job. Maybe it's not quite as appealing as what the LSU job may be. Probably wouldn't pay nearly as much money as that, but it's still a college football program that has a lot of tradition. And I know there's a lot of people out there that would love to see this program get back to where they were. And the one name that I heard that jumps off the list, first and foremost, if Manny Diaz goes, would be Mario Cristobal, the head coach over at Oregon. Oregon, yeah. Yeah, he started his career at Florida International down here. Very, very popular in South Florida. Uh, Now, whether, you know, would that be a forward move from him from Oregon to Miami of Florida? It depends upon your roots, I guess. And probably in his case, it might depend upon the money as well. So we'll see. There's a lot of other coaching changes that are going to uh, that are going to take place between now and then. And that's what we love. It's just like as a kid growing up, we used to love trades uh, in any other sport, trading deadline days. We look forward to those. And coaching changes are also in that same category that people love to feast in on and uh, voice their opinions about. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, Victor, let's go over to the National Football League side of things where it appears that all the dogs in the King household are influencing the National Football League this year because it's been quite a puppy season in the NFL. What another great week for the dogs in the NFL. Nine and five against the spread last week. That brings the NFL underdog record this season in the NFL to 86-63-1. That's across the board, any underdog, whether it's road, home, division, non-division, whatever. 
With that said, though, road underdogs, 57 and 34 ATS on the season. That's 63% for just pure road underdogs. And finally, from the database, uh, there's a really nice 13 and 3 angle that applies to two teams this week. We want to play on road dogs, quite simply, who are playing off a double-digit win in their last game. So they're playing with some confidence, and they're getting some points in the road. These dogs have gone 13-3 and against the spread on the season, and there are two going this week, Washington on the road against Carolina and Dallas on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, Mark, we got to talk about the low scoring in the NFL. We touched on it in each of the last couple of uh, podcasts, and it happened again in the NFL. Another low-scoring week last week. The average line was 47.8. Average combined points only 43.1 last week. And, folks, that's low-scoring. Low the margin of minus 4.7 is the highest under margin of the season. Four of the five lowest-scoring weeks of the entire season have been in weeks 7, 8, 9, and 10, the last four weeks. Remember last year we talked about it being a groundbreaking year in terms of scoring in the NFL? Uh, 49.2 points per game. Well, maybe some of those uh, stadiumless fans or fanless stadiums had something to do with that uh, huge number of 49.6. Because this year in the NFL, scoring is down about three and a half points per game. I attribute that to the fact that uh, A, there are fans back in the stands. B, we're not seeing the quality of quarterback play we saw last year. And C, a full 20 out of 32 teams in the NFL have put up uh, better defensive numbers this season than last year. I mean, quite a bit of that, Victor. And uh, defense rules, it seems to be in the National Football League these days. And it's a good little observation you made about uh, the improvement from the overall defenses. And I would imagine it correlates to the NFL over-under totals as well uh, when you're handicapping both sides of the football game. Uh, one other note that uh, I'm going to pass along here is that uh, our good friend Jeff Kabasiak, uh, the guitar man from Canada, uh, he does a great job staying in touch with us throughout the course of the week. He's an avid, avid black book system lover, loves the black book, loves everything about it, it's particularly the systems in the book. And he does a great job, uh, sends me emails and lets me know who's qualifying this particular week, just in case I'm falling asleep on some of those. And uh, I got to say, it's really greatly appreciated. One of the questions he asked was uh, within our well-oiled machine is looking at NFL football teams and how they perform after they play to a tie. And because we had Pittsburgh and Detroit do just that this particular week, well, we've outlined that situation inside this week's playbook football newsletter. And you can check out the results uh, in the newsletter this week in the Detroit and the Pittsburgh games this week. But more importantly, more specifically, Jeff asked about how winless teams do in the national football league after they played to a tie. And I can say this, we go back to 1980 in the database. There have only been six winless teams that played to a tie that were on the road their very next game, and five of those cashed the money. And it's a case of other teams playing down to their level, much like we saw Pittsburgh play down to Detroit's level on Sunday. The same thing occurs after uh, winless teams play to a tie. They're still a winless football team. They don't have that win yet. They're still hungry, and the other teams tend to play down to their level. So keep that in mind when you're looking at the Detroit Lions football game this weekend. And one quick thought before we go to a break and come back with our college football game of the week, I want to run by you, as I always do, our current playoff picture in the National Football League. And it's, it changes every week. I mean, it's just like the polls. They go up, they go down, and teams come in and the teams go out. Currently, the number one seeds in the National Football League right now, this weekend, going into this weekend, are the Tennessee Titans and the Green Bay Packers. Number two, the Buffalo Bills and the Arizona Cardinals, who are slipping just like the temperatures up north right now as we approach coming out of fall, getting closer and closer to winter. Number three, the Baltimore Ravens and the Dallas Cowboys. That's followed by number four, Kansas City, who's wormed their way back up into playoff positioning here. That's the one thing I think that teams in the AFC don't want to see is Kansas City <laughs> positioning themselves back to play in the, college, or in the uh, National Football League playoffs this season. Number four on the other side of the ledger in the NFC is the Tampa Bay Bucks, the defending Super Bowl champion. 
In at number five, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the L.A. Rams, who are also struggling right now as we're speaking. Number six, the up-and-coming New England Patriots and the New Orleans Saints. And number seven would be the L.A. Chargers and the Carolina Panthers. So keep those teams in mind when you're handicapping your football games this week. You might find an added edge for teams that have a little bit of extra incentive when it comes to handicapping this week's card. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear apart our college football game of the week. And we've got a beauty inside the Big Ten Conference between a couple of college football ranked teams. We'll do that game and a whole lot more when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, and enjoy the winners. You're listening to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Now, back to the action. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. And it's time for our featured college football game of the week. We're going to hop inside the Big Ten Conference in a pairing of two top 10 ranked teams in the college football rankings when the Ohio State Buckeyes play host to Michigan State at the Horseshoe in Columbus. Victor, a heck of a showdown game on Saturday. How do you see it shaking out this week? Right, this is ABC's lead game, 12 noon Eastern kickoff there at the Horseshoe. Uh, Buckeyes went laying around 19 points in the game. Over underline opened at 67. It's been bet up to 68. There's even a couple of 68 and a halfs up there. And yeah, that's a high over underline. I mean, I thought last year's line was high, 59 points. Uh, last year's was the highest ever in this series. Again, it did go over, I might add. But this line is nine and a half points higher than even last year's historic line, which kind of makes sense given the fact that we're talking about a potentially historic offense in Ohio State as well. Uh, both of these teams come in with identical six and four over under records on the season. That would be six overs and four unders each. Michigan State started off the year with two straight overs in their non conference games. They went one and four over under in games three through seven, but they've rebounded in their last three games. All three of those games went over the total and by a very high margin of plus 11.8 points per game. So Michigan State is definitely uh, trending uh, over these days. They've got one of those offenses, of course, that can do it either way on the ground or um, via the air. 198 rushing, 252 passing. I mentioned the Buckeyes six and four over under on the season, five and three over under in conference play. Of course, the highlight stat for the Buckeyes is their number one in yardage offense for the entire season in college football at 550 yards per game. Their number one in scoring offense, averaging a very very impressive 46.3 points per game, and that that's a significant number, 46.3 to 46.5. I say that because. The Buckeyes have already had three conference games this year that totaled 70 or more points. In the last three seasons, they've had 10 conference games that have totaled 70 or more points, and they themselves have averaged 46.5 points per game in conference play over the last three years. So we can basically pretty much pencil in Ohio State to get at the very, very least 42 to 45 points in this game. That means for it to go over the total, we're going to need Michigan State to score somewhere in the neighborhood of 24 to 28 possible points. And that's something that we like, despite the fact that five of the last six games in this series have gone under the total. Again, I will note that uh, last year's game did go over 52 to 12 was the final in that particular Ohio State uh, game. And I mentioned uh, historic offenses, they're really that good, Ohio State. No, the defense hasn't played anybody all that great since way back in September 11th, but the offense has had to deal with some good defenses in Penn State and in Purdue, and it basically ripped right through both of them. What's got me kind of licking my chops is the fact that Michigan State might be playing well, but their defense has been awful. They have regressed to the number 112 defense. They're allowing 444 yards per game. 
They have regressed on defense in each of the last five seasons. They were a 298 yard per game defense five years ago. They're up to 441. It's got the nation's absolute worst pass defense. They're allowing over 1,300 passing yards over their last three games. And, Mark, I don't see things getting any better this week. So we'll call for that over, and we'll call for Ohio State to win somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, 45 to 31. Well, as you mentioned, Victor, that defense has kind of been helping Michigan, or not helping Michigan, I should say, but it's the all offense that's really helped the football team. And I was going to call that out, the fact that they do allow 444 yards a game. And if you compare the net difference in the two defenses here, because of the defense, Michigan State is out-yarding their opponents this year an average of eight yards a game, whereas Ohio State is out-yarding their opponents an average of 182 yards a game. So there is a vast disparity between these two football teams, especially we can dig in and get some great numbers from the midweek alert uh, this week to tear this football game down. What you have in Michigan State is a team that's really on a roll. They're number ranked seven in the college football playoff rankings right now as we speak. They'll be playing with revenge, big-time revenge, from a 52-12 to beating they took last year. And if you want to go deeper into the series, the last four years Michigan State has taken on the Buckeyes they are 0-4 straight up and against the spread. They've been outscored 160-31 to 31 in those football games. So it's been all Brutus in the series here for Ohio State, and I know they're feeling awfully good about themselves right now, playing quite arguably their best football of the season coming into the game. They rank number one in the country in overall offense, number one in the country in scoring offense. And you got to go back to 1939 to find the last time that they ranked number one in both of those categories simultaneously at the same time. That's how good this Ohio State football team has been playing. However, you're talking about a team that ranks number seven in the college football playoff rankings that's getting, let's just say for argument's sake, come Saturday, 20 points in a football game. That's far too many points to lay to a top 10 college football ranked team. And... You've also got the fact in this game that Ohio State has Michigan dead ahead in their sights. They have not played well, the Buckeyes, in games before Michigan. The last eight years, they are 0-8 to the spread in games before taking on Michigan. And of the last eight years, this is probably the best Michigan football team that they've got their eye looking forward to playing here. I've got to take the points with Michigan State, although they're badly outclassed defensively in the game. I still think this will be a toe-to-toe shoot them shoot them up kind of a game here. Like Victor mentions, the over total in the game, I can see that as well. And with that, I'll take Michigan State plus the points for my side in this contest. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear down our NFL game of the week. We're going to hop out to the NFC side of things in a big West Division battle. We'll do that and join our good friend Andy Isco from Vegas to get the Vegas vibe when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbucks tokens are here. Earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. You're tuned into Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And now, let's throw it back to Mark. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread, tearing it apart on this weekend's college and pro football cards. It's time for our NFL featured game of the week, and we're going to hop out to the West Coast for a big NFC West division battle when the Arizona Cardinals invade Seattle to take on the Seahawks in a matchup of two hopeful playoff football teams. Victor, how do you see it shaking out, the Cardinals and the Seahawks on Sunday? Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of glad that you chose this as our NFL game of the week because I did some extensive work on it on Monday for the totals tip sheet, and uh, we're definitely going to be going under the total in this particular game. The over underline opened somewhere around 50. I made my bet on the under at 49 and a half, and as we speak, the line has already crept down. We're into the 48s. There's some 48 and a halfs out there. There's some 48.0s out there. So you're going to want to get in and join us as soon as possible as we play Arizona and Seattle under the total. Uh, You may not believe it, but the number one under team in all of the NFL is indeed the Seattle Seahawks. They come in with a 1-7-1 
over-under record on the year. Their average line, 48.9. Average score, only 40.7 combined points. Their average game has gone under by more than a full touchdown a game by minus 8.1 points per game. There's been some tremendous defensive improvements for both of these teams. We talked about that in this week's Totals Tip Sheet newsletter, Mark, where we talked about some of the great defensive improvements from last year. And these two teams have combined to improve on defense by a full 7.0 points per game compared to last year. And with that said, the over-under line is still on the high side of 48. A truer indicator should have been around 44 to 45 in this particular game. That's why there's still some value on the under, even at the current line of 48 to 48 and a half. NFC West Division games have gone 65% under the total. That's 42 and 79 over under. Going back 20 years when the host is an underdog of six or less, and Seattle is an underdog in this game. And the results improved to 75% under the total in the second half of the season in these NFC West division games. Uh, Arizona is another team that got shut down on offense last week. They only scored 10 points at home uh, in that loss to the Carolina Panthers. This has gone 0-7 over a six-year period. Game 11 or less road favorites when both teams scored 10 or less points in their previous game. Of course, it happened to Arizona. It also happened to Seattle, who's off that 17-0 shutout loss to the Green Bay Packers. There you have it. The um, projected implied score in the game mark is Arizona 25.25, Seattle 22.75. And our models suggest significantly less points, a closer score right around the neighborhood of maybe 23 to 20, maybe 24 to 20. Either way, we're going to follow Monkey's lead and go under the total when the Cardinals play in Seattle on Sunday afternoon. Victor goes Victor goes under the total in the Arizona-Seattle matchup this Sunday, the matchup of two teams in the NFC West. Seattle really with their backs to the wall right now, if you will. You take a look at their standings. They're only 3-6 and six in the season here. If there are must-win games on a National Football League's team schedule, this would indeed be it for the Seattle Seahawks because if they don't win this football game, their season is all but over. You could put a nail in their coffin. For the Arizona Cardinals, they come in here just one and two straight up and against the spread their last three football games after opening the season on a 7-0 winning run. That's uh, part of the reasons here for Arizona doing just that has been obviously their condition of their key players here. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins out of the lineup here. So you have to back, play with backups and not just playing with backups. You're replacing two key, probably the most valuable players on this offense here right now. And it's showing for the Arizona Cardinals that and a return to the norm, if you will. Taking a look at the, over on the Seattle side of the football game, Russell Wilson is back. He looked a little bit rusty. I would say beyond rusty, he looked flat-out terrible last Sunday. Neither quarterback in the Russell Wilson-Aaron Rodgers showdown in Green Bay showed much. They were full of rust. I think that rust may shake off for Russell Wilson this particular week. He's been terrific at home in his career. When he comes off a loss, he's 21-3 straight up, 16-5-2 to the spread in games like that. And when Seattle owns a 600 or less win-loss record, not really hitting on all cylinders, if you will, they improved to 12-1 straight up and 10-2-1 to the number in this particular role. I'm going to take a long, hard look at Seattle in this football contest here. If Arizona has to resort to Colt McCoy, which they may or may not, we're not going to know that until close, pretty close to game time here again. Uh, there's people that think it may be a couple of weeks before Kyler Murray is back and 100% healthy. But even if he's back, he's not going to be 100% healthy. And so I'm going to share with you a couple of Colt McCoy stats that I ran through my NFL uh, quarterback database, if you will, and take a look at him. And his last 32 starts in the National Football League, McCoy is 8-24 and 24 straight up with only nine-point spread covers. That's not really, really good. And if you, what I'm going to back Seattle in here is the role that they shine in the best. Taking points at home. It's very rare that you'll find the Seattle football team doing just that. But in this particular case, 
They've cashed 10 out of 13 times as a home dog. I look for them to cash again when Arizona invades. I'll play Seattle, plus the points against Arizona on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. It's time for one of our favorite segments on the show right now as we hop out to Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com. Andy, welcome to the show, and I hope everything's going well for you this football season. Mark, everything is going fine. It's been a great first half of the football season. It's going uh, very, very quickly. Uh, but enjoying uh, the way things are playing out, whether it be in the contest or at the betting windows, and just an overall understanding of what's going on uh, throughout the NFL and college football, for that matter, as well. Glad to hear that, Andy. I know we're getting it out down in the important stage of the football season. I can't believe it, but in putting the newsletter together this particular week, I was looking and scouting out next week's schedule. You always look at some of those look-ahead games or the possibility thereof, and I noticed that next week is the final full week of the college football season. It'll be Thanksgiving week rolling around with it, and also that the National Football League we're going to be heading into week number 12 for some football teams. So it may be with a tear in the eye uh, that the football season is beginning to wind down, but we're really having a good time doing just that. And we're really thankful that we were able to see football this year, especially as opposed to last year during that pandemic. So I hope we can make it through clean, Andy. I know some football players right now in the NFL are starting to uh, come down with COVID and it's becoming a little bit of, an, of a situation here. And I hope it doesn't break out into a, a team uh, situation where the team ends up having to cancel or postpone football games. But uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed and see exactly how that all shakes out. We're seeing that uh, in other sports. As we get closer to winter and the colder weather starts to approach, we are seeing more and more COVID issues. We had that postponement of the Cal-UCLA uh, football game, this uh, or Cal-USC football game this past weekend, which was the first such pos- postponement we've had this year. Uh, we didn't even have any hurricane postponements this year. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, avoid a, a repeat of that situation. And you mentioned as the college football season winds down, next week, Thanksgiving weekend, big rivalry weekend, but the good thing about that, the following weekend, we start getting the conference championship games and the beginning of the bowl season, and that's always been a very entertaining and profitable time of the year for most of us. It sure is, and uh, you mentioned that about rivalries, Andy, and I was talking with our good friend Brian Brian Blessing this afternoon, and uh, he brought the subject up, and it appeared to me when I was putting the newsletter together this week about how diminished it appears that college football rivalries have been here of late, and I don't know if it's because you know, we're from the old school, and we used to really circle in and hone in on these rivalry games, and it was rah, 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 and uh, all that good stuff. I, I just don't see or feel it. I don't know if you feel the same way, you know, like the Cal-Stanford game. And I don't know if it's because the football teams have regressed or the rivalries, like I say, have diminished a little bit here. But uh, nonetheless, we are getting closer and closer to that rivalry portion of the football season. I, I think that there's a lot to what you've said. I think part of it also was related to the fact that back in the day, There wasn't that much going on in the world of sports. There was a little bit of a respite between seasons for the most part, or certainly not nearly as much overlap as there is now. And so you anticipated the big rivalry games at the end of the season. I know the Big Ten still has a lot of those rivalry games, those trophy games, the Floyd of Rosedale, the the Jug and all, Rosedale and and the, you know, the the Oaken Jug, etc. And uh, of course, a lot of the rivalries were ones that came because of success of two teams within a conference. You go back 20 years, Miami and Virginia Tech was a huge rivalry. The winner of that game would normally win the ACC championship and at that time go to uh, one of the you know major bowls, whether it be the Orange Bowl or one of the other bowls. Now, of course, the way college football is structured, uh, the conference championship games don't mean nearly as much as they did in the past. And the fact that we've had so much of a change in conferences. We had 10 years ago the first huge wave of the change in conference affiliations, and we're starting to see that now within the next couple of years. Some of these major conferences are going to look different. The ACC, uh, the Big 12, for example, have already extended uh, memberships to, uh, uh, to, other, to teams from other conferences. So it's not as big as it used to be, except for perhaps the local fan base and the alumni of the schools involved. Yes, Stanford, uh, you know, uh, Harvard-Yale was the game, and uh, Stanford-Cal was the big game uh, out west. And they're having that one this week. But I think we'll hear more about the rivalries after this weekend as Thanksgiving approaches. And, you know, we don't have those old Thanksgiving uh, rivalries, Oklahoma-Texas, that we used to have in the past uh, when, uh, you know, TV 
started to really take off in the 60s and 70s, and I think that made a lot of those rivalry games much more meaningful because there were so few games that were nationally televised and had that kind of hype. Now virtually every game is not just uh, on TV but streaming as well, so the, the events throughout the regular season are not nearly uh, as impactful as they were uh, years ago, or should I say not as widely spread impactful as they were. They're still impactful for the schools involved. That they are, Andy, and it does appear that they have been watered down in that sense because of the media and the way streaming has uh, taken a, a big major a major forefront in our lives today with the way with that we watch and gather information. So uh, I know that the fans in the games at those rivalry games are still really all into it. We just uh, don't quite get that same feeling when we're watching or downloading or streaming a football game. But uh, I'm with you. I'm looking forward to the rivalry games next Thanksgiving weekend. It should be one heck of a football game or football weekend, I should say. I'm visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas, publisher of The Logical Approach newsletter. And if you want to download or go subscribe to his newsletter this week, he's got a great feature. It'll be two issues, subject or week number one, week number two, is Andy does his annual different approach to the NFL over under totals. And uh, uh, I like there's a lot of history involved in here about what key numbers used to be, what they are right now. So do yourself a favor, log on at thelogicalapproach.com in Vegas to check out Andy's excellent football newsletter. And with that, Andy, let's check in and see exactly how things are going on in the contests in Las Vegas as we do each and every week. I know the Circa and the Westgate Superbook are heating up, and uh, when we get to the survivor portion of the circle, I'll be interested to see if that diminished or that uh, really came down any more after last week's uh, hammer fell, per se, if you will. But uh, I'll give you the honors, if you would, Andy, if you can bring us up to speed on what's going on in the Superbook and the Circa Contest. Sure thing, and and I I imagine Victor may have talked about it. If you've been taking a look at NFL totals this year, despite the the, – highlights of all the offense uh, the under players have been having a very successful season and that even goes over and I'm, you may have talked about it in other venues uh, the NBA this year as far as the the unders versus the overs but getting to the uh, football contest the major contest at the Circa and at the Westgate we'll start with the uh, Westgate they have the Super Contest Classic and the Super Contest Gold the Super Contest Classic is the thousand dollar entry fee down from 1500 so it had in years past so it attracted a lot more this year. Uh, five games against the spread each week, and I like to report on the top five selections according to the consensus, the team's most frequently picked. Uh, going into last week, the consensus at the uh, Super Contest Classic was 23, 21, and one, barely above 500, but when you factor in the VIG, you wouldn't have made money if you were playing all 45 of those selections through the first nine weeks, and consensus had uh, a down week again in week 10, going just two and three against the point spread. Uh, The winners were the fourth and fifth most popular selections, the Lions and the Patriots. The Lions covering in their tie against Pittsburgh and the Patriots covering uh, very easily in their route of Cleveland. The losing teams, the Rams were the most popular uh, pick this week. And of course, they lost outright Monday night to uh, uh, or at San Francisco. Tennessee Titans won, but did not cover as a result of uh, New Orleans coming back, but not being able to force overtime, getting three, or let's put it this way, laying three, winning by two, the Titans failed to cover, and then the Atlanta Falcons, who suffered a real beatdown in Dallas, uh, fifth most popular selection, they were also losers against the spread. So for the year now, 25 winners, 24 losers, and one push against the point spread. That works out to 51% winners for the uh, top five selections in the Super Contest Classic. Now, the Super Contest Gold, for those listeners who uh, may not have been with us uh, the last few weeks, uh, that's the $5,000 entry fee, winner take all. So just one winner at the end of this contest. There were actually six selections to uh, to be graded for purposes of the consensus uh, results as the two teams, the 49ers and Raiders, tied it for the fifth most popular selection. Now, this is a much smaller field, and so the chances of even, uh, even selections is greater with only 87 entrants, but that's still a nice $435,000 prize pool to be earned by uh, the one person who uh, ends up winning the contest. Uh, at uh, uh, another uh, couple of months. Uh, The number one selection, the Eagles, were a point spread winner, as were the number two and three most popular selections, the Saints and uh, the Detroit Lions. Uh, 
Uh, the fourth most popular selection, the Atlanta Falcons, a point spread loser. And I mentioned the 49ers and Raiders tied for the fifth most popular selection. And the 49ers, point spread winners. And the Raiders, point spread losers to uh, Kansas City on Sunday night. Uh, going into the uh, weekend, uh, because there were a couple of there was a tie previously for the fifth most popular selection. There had been 46 instead of 45 selections that were graded for this purpose. 24, 20, and two. Last week's results, uh, if you were following along, four and two. So the winners outnumbered the the uh, the uh, losing of top uh, six plays this week. Uh, this past week. Four to two, so that's 28 winners, 22 losers, and two pushes. And if you do the math on that one, uh, 20, that's 29 points. Uh, actually, it, because there were two extra selections out of a possible 51 points because of those two extra selections, 55.8 percent winners thus far for the for the consensus. As far as the standings go, let's start with the super contest gold. There is one leader, 34, 15, and one. That's 34 and a half out of a possible 50 points. That's 69 percent winning percentage. That's good enough for a game and a half lead over the one contestant in second with 33 points. One further back uh, by a game at 32. Another game further back, one contestant at 31. There are three at 30 and a half and three at 29 and a half. So a very short number out of the 87. That's a total of 10 contestants uh, with uh, within five points of the lead. And of those 10 contestants, seven of them are hitting uh, a little bit better than uh, uh, 60%, 61% for uh, the top seven, and then nobody exactly at 60%, which would be 30. Looking at the standings for the Super Contest Classic, which drew a just a shade under 2,000 entries this year. There is a sole leader at 35, 15, and 0. That's 35 of a possible 50 points, so that's a 70% winning percentage. Uh, there are three contestants a half point back at 34.5, another four contestants half point further back, five more at 33.5, 14 at 33. There are 40 going all the way down to 44 contestants at 30 points, which is exactly 60%, 30 out of 50. And that uh, totals up to the uh, left out a few of the places there, but 170 contestants are within five points of the lead. Leader at 35, the last group at 30, that's within five points, and that's exactly 60% or more. So 60% has you within five points of the leaders with eight weeks to go. Turning now to the uh, circuit contest that has supplanted the last uh, two years, uh, the Westgate, as the number one contest in Las Vegas. It's similar in format to the Westgate. Five selections a week against a static uh, point spread line for each game. I will point out, and then it has come into play uh, several times over the last three years since the circuit joined the contest uh, parade here in Vegas, is that the Westgate lines generally come out around 5 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesday afternoon evening, and the circuit contest lines come out Thursday mornings at around 10 a.m. Pacific time, and sometimes some early news on Thursday has caused the circuit to have some lines that are off somewhat from uh, the lines at the Westgate, but for the most part, the lines are generally within a half and no more than one point away, except in isolated instances. Uh, the consensus going into last week, 27 and 18, that's exactly 60%. There was a tie for the fifth most popular selection in this week's uh, week 10, and so there were a total of six selections to be graded this week. Uh, there were three winners and three losers. Uh, the uh, number one selection uh, was the Tennessee Titans. That lost. The number two selection, the Los Angeles Rams. That lost. The number three selection also lost. Cleveland Browns against the Patriots. So the fourth selection, the Packers was the point spread winner, as were both of the selections that tied for fifth most popular, the Saints and the Eagles, uh, both won. You'll notice that in that one game, the Saints and Titans, Titans the number one selection lost, the Saints the number five selection, tied for the five selection won. Overall, over 2,100 of the 4,000-plus entrants uh, were on that one game and almost evenly divided between the two teams. So the 3-3 three and three consensus for the season brings the total up to 30, uh, 30 uh, winning selections, 21 losing selections. That's a shade under 60%. 30 and 20 would be exactly 60%. 30 and 21 is 58 point 
8% for the uh, consensus. That's pretty good, picking five plays a week. As far as the standings go, there were 4,087 entrants in the Circa Million this year. There are two co-leaders at 38 and 12. That's 38 of 50 possible points for a 76% winning percentage. Uh, those two are a game and a half ahead of four contestants who are tied at 36 and a half, six more at 36, and all the way down to uh, 39 at 30. 33 uh, contestants. That works out to uh, 100 and, uh, uh, 114 uh, within five points of the lead. That's 33 at the bottom end, 38 at the top end. So 114 of the 4,087 entrants are still at uh, within five points of the lead. Uh, there is a, third, a quarterly contest going on uh, here as well. Did not count up the number, uh, quite a number, who were 5-0 and oh in the Westgate uh, mini contest, the th start of the fourth three-week period and the second half of the uh, third, uh, of the, excuse me, of the second six-week period. But here at the Circa, 155 contestants were 5-0 and oh last week, 680 uh, were 4-1. and one. And if you ask the question, why do I have those numbers when I couldn't count up less numbers in the, in the uh, Westgate? They're very simple. The Circa standings actually show the positions of all the entrants. And unfortunately, the Westgate uh, for me to go back to use my fingers and toes to count up to uh, uh, get a number. So we just concentrated on really those within the five. Now the contest you mentioned earlier, the Circa Survivor, $1,000 entry fee, winner take all. Huge overlay in this contest. They guarantee $6 million to the winner or winners, if there's a case of split, as there was last year of the contest. They only drew 4,080 entries, so that's almost a $2 million overlay awaiting the winner of the uh, Circus Survivor. Going into week 10 of the 4,080 entries, 686 were remaining. Just under 17% of all the entries that started the season remaining. Last week, I'll give you the teams and then tally up the numbers. The top selection, the Steelers. They tied. If you have, if you tie, you do not advance. You must win. So those who backed the Steelers last week uh, were uh, were eliminated. And of course, it's not the same folks who were fortunate with the Steelers against the Bears the week before because you can only uh, play a team once. And so uh, those who were fortunate to escape with that Monday night win over the uh, Chicago Bears uh, had to take some other team than the Steelers last week. And perhaps that other team uh, was the Baltimore Ravens. 248 took the Steelers. 187 of the 686 were on the Ravens, and of course they lost Thursday night at uh, uh, Miami. The next three most popular selections all won, the Colts, Cowboys, and Bills. The next uh, three selections all lost. Uh, 40 lost with the Cardinals, 31 with Tampa Bay, and 5 with the Chargers. And then there were four teams, each receiving one selection. Titans and Packers were winners, but those on the but he or she on the Saints and uh, or on the Rams lost. So overall, 173 contestants were eliminated uh, last week of the 686. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. 513 were eliminated. That's my bad there. 513 were eliminated, leaving 173 of the 4,080 contestants uh, still alive. And uh, that is a total of 4.2% of the original entry fees, la of the original entries. Last year, they had just under 1,900 entries. 35 people ended up sharing the uh, prize. Then last week, there were 18 weeks in the contest. The 17 regular season weeks and Thanksgiving's day consisted of a separate week. And they didn't like the fact that so many people tied, so they not only had the Thanksgiving week this year, the NFL uh, as a separate week, the NFL also increased the schedule to give an 18th week of regular season games. And the Circa folks also made the two, the two, the two games on Christmas Day and the game two nights before the Thursday night, December 23rd game count as a, a separate week as well. So 20 weeks in this contest, only 173 remaining with 10 of the 20 contest weeks still awaiting to be played. That's Andy Isco with the review of what's going on in Las Vegas in the major contest this year at the Westgate Superbook and the Circa as well. And talking about as well, Andy, I know there's some look-ahead lines that Jay Cornegay always puts out, and you're kind enough to share with our listeners if you would do just that, those look-ahead lines from Vegas for next week. 
Sure, Mark. These uh, lines are for the Thanksgiving weekend, so there are three games next Thursday, November 23rd. The uh, two traditional games, the early starting game, 9.30 Pacific time, traditional game in Detroit. They will be hosting division rival Chicago and the Bears' three-point road favorites, total of 45. The Las Vegas Raiders will be in Dallas where the Cowboys are seven-point home favorites with a total of 54 and a half. And then the late game, 5.20 p.m. Pacific time, Buffalo will be at New Orleans. The Bills' four-and-a-half-point road favorites is a total of 48. And those are the six teams that uh, those in the Circus Survivor who are alive heading into that short Thanksgiving day quote-unquote week, will have to choose. So hopefully they have at least one and hopefully more uh, of those six teams still remaining to be chosen. Sunday, November 28th, that's, that begins the second part of Thanksgiving week for the Survivor Contest. Uh, so plenty of teams to be uh, available there. I will note, however, interestingly enough, for Thanksgiving weekend, it's kind of like not all 30 Major League Baseball teams playing on Memorial Day, July 4th, and Labor Day. Uh, for Thanksgiving weekend, the Arizona Cardinals and Kansas City Chiefs enjoy their bye week. Of the teams that will be playing sa- Sunday and Monday, on Sunday, November 28th, the New England Patriots, two-and-a-half-point home favorites over the Tennessee Titans with a total of 46-and-a-half. Houston will be hosting the New York Jets, home-standing Houston Texans favored by three, total of 46-and-a-half. The Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Giants in an NFC East matchup. Eagles on the road favored by three with a total of 46 Defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay will be at Indianapolis. The Bucks three-point road favorites with a total of 52. Atlanta will be at Jacksonville. And the fine recent play of Jacksonville, and Atlanta's played pretty well recently as well, notwithstanding last Sunday. This game is actually put up as a pick'em with a total of 48. That's Atlanta at Jacksonville. Carolina, a one-point road favorite at Miami with a total of 43.5. The Cincinnati Bengals in an AFC North divisional matchup host the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bengals favored by four at home over the Steelers with a total of 46.5. The L.A. Chargers and Denver Broncos will meet in Denver in an AFC West divisional matchup. The Chargers on the road favored by 2.5 with a total of 48. Minnesota will be in San Francisco where the 49ers are 2.5 point home favorites and a total of 48. The L.A. Rams at the Green Bay Packers. The Packers minus 1.5 at home with a total of 50. The Sunday night game next week in AFC North matchup. Uh, in fact, the second such matchup of that Sunday, it'll be Cleveland at Baltimore, where the Ravens are at home, favored by five and a half and a total of 48. Interestingly, after that, the Ravens have a bye, and then they come out of the bye, and they play Cleveland once again at home. Very interesting scheduling dynamic there. Monday, November 29th, the uh, uh, effective end of Labor Day weekend, it'll be Seattle at Washington. Seattle on the road, favored by 38. Uh, excuse me, by, favored by three and a half with a total of 48. Three and a half, Seattle on the road, total of 48 uh, next Monday night, November 29th. That's Andy Isco with the review of the look-ahead lines from Jay Cornegay at the Westgate Superbook in the NFL for next week. And speaking about the NFL, Andy has been pretty much on fire with his complimentary play on our show here. Seven and two the last nine weeks with a dead under call. Right on the money in the Seattle Green Bay football game last week. So, Andy, I know our listeners have got their pens and pencils ready. If you would share with them your complimentary play on the show this week. Well, Mark, this uh, might come across as a square play, but nonetheless, it's a situation that I like for the Green Bay Packers going to Minnesota. The line has Green Bay in some places two and a half here at a couple of the big sports books. In fact, the Westgate and the Circa, Green Bay is now a two-point road favorite as they meet Minnesota for the uh, first time this season. Uh, Minnesota's been playing very well uh, with uh, the, the last few weeks. Uh, last week, they did beat uh, the, uh, the, the Chargers, although I was more thinking that that was a game where the Chargers have not been playing well for the most part over the past month, but Minnesota, to their credit, uh, got uh, got the nice win, and that continues a little bit of a run that the Vikings have had. Uh, they're still quite a distance behind the Packers, unlikely to catch them in the NFC North, but they'll have their eyes set on a wild card, and right now 5-5, five and five, I think it's Carolina at 5-5, five and five, has that wild card, so Minnesota certainly has an opportunity uh, to uh, advance. I believe they beat Carolina uh, earlier this season in overtime. But there's also tremendous motivation for the Green Bay Packers, and that's thanks to what happened last weekend. Arizona and the Rams both lost, uh, so Green Bay at 8-2, is now the number is now controls the number one seed. They are a game ahead of the Rams, who they will host 
the, on Thanksgiving weekend, uh, and they are tied with Arizona at eight and two. But they have that win a few weeks ago on Thursday night that ended uh, Arizona's perfect season. So Green Bay uh, clearly has right now control of that number one seed. And of course, with the change in the playoff structure last year, where only the number one seed in each conference gets a bye, that's very important for the Packers at the end of the regular season to be the only playoff team in the NFC that will not have to play wild card weekend uh the they already defeated arizona as i mentioned and host the rams next week so uh the the game does suggest that the vikings uh, excuse me that the packers uh, will have a focused effort minnesota has indeed played better than its four and five record uh would suggest uh with four of the five losses by four points or less and they did win uh last year uh in green bay when they met late in the year uh green bay's defense has certainly improved over the last few weeks in fact in its last few games uh they've uh, held the uh the opposition to uh, uh under four yards per play including kansas city in that uh 13 to 7 covering loss uh two weeks ago with aaron Rodgers sideline with covid uh but he's back uh and uh, uh i expect him to be even sharper this week remember last week week's game against Seattle, part of the reasons for the under was uh, the expected uh, uh, wintry-like conditions in uh, Green Bay, and that indeed uh, did keep scoring down uh, in addition to uh, the uh, fundamentals. It's easy to make a case for Minnesota, and for those who back Minnesota, you've got a lot of support because they are playing well, uh, but given control of their own fate and the improved defense of the uh, playoff, uh, excuse me, of the, of, of the defense uh, with the road to the playoffs now in Green Bay's control, the playoffs top seed, uh, I like the leadership of Rodgers. I look for them to improve to 5-1 five to five and one on the road uh, this year and get their 10th straight point spread cover, which follows that ugly opening loss to the Saints in Jacksonville. That's a distant memory. Green Bay has covered every game since then. I've got Green Bay, Green Bay winning this game by 7, so I will take advantage of the line under the field goal and play the Packers because of the situation that they are now given thanks to the uh, losses by the forty, excuse me, by the Cardinals and the uh, Rams this past weekend. Andy Isco buying into the Aaron Rodgers adage, just relax. We've got this under control. The Green Bay Packers are dominating the point spread wars in the National Football League this season, and he sees it continuing once again this Sunday. Andy, a great job on the show, as always, this week. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck next week and look forward to talking with you here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread next week as well. I'll look forward to it, Mark. I wish all of our listeners a a very uh, successful and enjoyable weekend as we get down to, I guess they would say, the nitty-gritty in both college and the NFL. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas with the Vegas Vibe. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to put the final wraps on the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week and my complimentary play, along with Victor's complimentary play when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach football newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. We're going against the spread with Mark Lawrence after this. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at MyBookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need, guaranteed. That's MyBookie.a as in Apple and G as in Games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at MyBookie.ag. Sign up today. To put a final spin on this week's show, let's do what Mark does best, his awesome Awesome. angle of the week. Hey, let's get to it, guys. Our awesome angle of the week on the show this week. We call it Get Off My Cloud, a Rolling Stones favorite of mine. It comes from our Bet You Didn't Know article contained inside this week's Playbook Football Newsletter. And here's how Get Off My Cloud works this week. What we're going to do is to play against any greater than 800 college football away team that's coming off three conference wins in a row if they're taking on a 500 or greater non-conference opponent. 
letdowns occur in situations like this for these teams that are on a roll, especially in a conference winning role when they step out of conference by playing against these teams in this role. We are 31 11 and 1 against the spread since 1980. That's a long term 74% winning proposition. With that, we'll be playing against UL Lafayette, or better known as Louisiana these days. We'll fade Louisiana Lafayette for our awesome angle play on the football show this week. I'm going to hand it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out exactly what Victor's got going on. I know, Victor, I've heard talk about a five star game of the month going on tap this week. If that's the case, let our listeners know exactly what's going on this week with that. That uh, That is indeed correct. And uh, before I get to it, we've got our NFL underwhelming trend of the week. And this ties into that request that our buddy Jeff sent us, uh, the guitar man from Canada. He asked me to make a query. Are there any sort of ATS patterns or over-under tendencies for winless teams who are getting double digits? like the Detroit Lions are this particular week. And while nothing jumps out at us, Jeff, from an ATS standpoint, there's some significant over-under tendencies. Uh, In the last five seasons, winless double-digit underdogs in the NFL have gone one over, 17 unders, and one tie. That applies to the Lions this week. Uh, in their road game against the Cleveland Browns, who, of course, are not playing with a full deck on offense anyway. So that one seventeen and one over-under situation tells us to look to go low when Detroit plays Cleveland this particular week uh, in a, a non-conference game. And uh, for our free play of the week, we're going to go to our boy Tuco. And Tuco's in a mini slump, folks. He's lost two consecutive weeks in a row. So uh, what he does when he's in a little bit of a mini slump is that he goes back to one of his favorite over teams. And for him this week, that's going to be their, uh, his slump buster. The Dallas Cowboys to go over their team total of 26.5 points in the game of the week against the Chiefs. After all, we're talking about the number one overall offense in Dallas. Number one scoring offense, 31.6 points per game. And not only that, they got their head out of their ass. They're off a 431-yard, 43-point outburst to boot. So the perfect time to grab on top of the Cowboys, Dak Prescott and company. They should be licking their chops in anticipation of facing a Chiefs defense that's ranked number 26 this year and has allowed 27 or more points in 11 of their last 15 home games. Now I know this line has got a this week's game has got a high over under line. It's currently fifty five and a half to fifty six points. There you go, non division road dogs with a high over under line of fifty five or greater points have averaged thirty point five points per game in the last two seasons, and with Dallas off a win of forty three to three. Game 12 or less teams off a straight-up win of 40 or more have averaged 30.1 points per games. We've got the fact that the KC can basically let it all hang out. they got a bye week coming up next week. The database also tells us that in the last three years, NFL non-division home favorites of four or less have allowed 30.3 points per game before their bye week. So... For Tuco this week, it's going to be Dallas Cowboys to go over their team total of 26.5 points. For Monkey, it's under the total in the Arizona-Seattle game. Uh, King's query suggests we look to go low as Detroit plays Cleveland. And you mentioned the five-star. I I hope you join us in October. Our King Crail service had a five-star game of the month. It was on the Indy Colts, Tennessee Titans, over their total of 51 both of those teams combined for 64. I believe the final score was 34 to 31. Uh, that game cashed easily. We've got another one this week. It's a five-star NFL game of the month. It is an over like it uh, always is. And we've got two teams in which we're going to enjoy them trading points back and forth. Uh, that best bet selection is already available at the website. So basically, make your way to www.playbooksports.com. Our five-star NFL game of the month is there. It's ready to go. It's going over the total. And, Mark, what do you got planned for this weekend? Well, Victor, uh, 
good luck on that five star over game this month, uh, game of the month this week. Uh, before I get to my game, uh, but what I've got on tap this week is going to be my top rated ten star college football game of the year. We really, really look forward to this particular football play, and we've got a game zeroed in on the card that checks all the boxes this particular week. You can pick it up, part of another $99 football weekend of winners. We've been on a nice winning run here this football season. Or you can get it packaged with a 10-star November, including next week's turkey shoot package for just $149 complete. Take your choice, the 10-star Game of the Year Weekend of Winners or the 10-star November to Remember. Check it out all online at playbooksports.com or you can call our office toll-free to get on board for either package at 1-800-321-7777. Before I get to my complimentary play, a quick reminder that my friends at mybookie.ag are once again offering a double-your-first-deposit bonus to all listeners of the podcast. Simply log on at mybookie.ag, use the promo code PLAYBOOK, and get ready to double your first deposit at mybookie. That's mybookie.ag to get a double your first deposit bonus. Do it just in time for the games this weekend. With that, my complimentary play on the college football card this week, I'm going to go inside the Mountain West Conference and take the points with Wyoming, plus the points against Utah State. The egg has been cooking of late here, but coming into this contest, what we feature is an 8-2 and two Utah State team that's pretty fat right now, feeling awfully good about themselves and where they're going to be going in the postseason. Wyoming enters the game. At 5-5 five and five this season, will be needing to pick up one more win in their final two weeks to become bowl eligible. They also happen to bring along with them a top 25 ranked defense to the Cowboys. It's a defense that, if you take a look in this football contest here, it's 66 yards a game better than the favorite Aggies are in the game. I'm going to take the points with Wyoming for my complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.